I just want to be able to, to introduce our special guest today. Many of you know him. He's a great man. He is our Pastor Frankie's daddy. Can you give it a big hand clap this morning for Pastor Frank Mazapika? Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you for that welcome. I appreciate it. Uh, Pastor Frankie is at New Covenant Church in Humble at our church, my church, where I pastor. And uh, we did the switcheroonie today, this morning. And uh, I think that, I hope we get to do that one more time before the end of the year. I know that my church is being blessed. I'm sorry I'm saying my church. Uh, the church in Humble, New Covenant Church, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're being blessed by Frankie. And if um, you would like to take your cars and drive to Humble right now, if you want to see your pastor. <laughs> No, actually, this service is just about over over there, and as soon as I'm done, I'm going to see if I can hook up and, and um, <clears throat> maybe have some lunch with him. I want to speak to you about something a little different. The name of the sermon is entitled, Everything is Going to Be All Right. I say that to our church, the church that I pastor in Humble, uh, every Sunday when you hear uh, turn around and shake hands and be friendly with somebody. I always say, turn around and shake somebody's hand and say, everything is going to be all right. And the reason why I say that is because, number one, it's true. And number, uh, number two, it's, it's scriptural. Everything is going to be all right. The Bible brings out that when you're a, a, a son of God, a child of God, a daughter of God, that if you love him and you follow him, that in the end, everything will work out for you. That no matter how terrible things may seem, the rules change when you become a child of God. You see, when you become a child of God, everything actually changes. The Bible says that your actual footsteps are ordered by the Lord. That means that your purpose and your destiny is no longer an important thing. I know in Christianity that's a big deal. There's lots of books and they're bestsellers about how you can achieve your purpose, your destiny. But I want you to know that when you become a Christian, those rules change completely. There's nothing wrong with goals. There's nothing wrong with purpose. I'm not suggesting that at all. But the Bible brings out that you become really addicted to God's purpose, the purpose in Jesus Christ. Because each and every one of us here have been actually born with a purpose in God's mind, in his mind, he has got some great itinerary for you. That's why the scriptures say that your footsteps are ordered by the Lord. That he says that, he says that there is a plan for you, and it's a, it's a really good plan. That the plan that he has for you has already been mapped out. He has seen you, you, before he ever created the earth. The Bible says he saw your face in his mind before the foundations of the world. He has had this thing lined out. He has loved you before you were ever born. He has loved you before you ever even knew him. He loved you while you were still a sinner. Here's something revelatory. He will never love you any more than he loves you right now. God's love does not grow. He's already way up there. And it's not contingent on anything. He loves you with an undying love. As a matter of fact, his love that he has for you is rather strange. It's an unlike a human love. It falls in, many of you know this, it falls into an agape love, which is a God love. We cannot have the ability to, to show that kind of a love to our wife or husband or children. As a matter of fact, when the scriptures try to compare our love 
for our children compared to the agape love for his children, the comparative is, is that our love falls far short, that it is actually evil compared to the level of love that he has for you. So it's an amazing level that he loves you, especially when you become a child of God. Things start really picking up, and that's what I want to speak to you about today. I'm going to make comparisons, strange comparisons. I'll try to move as fast as I can, but what I want to show you is the children of Israel going through the wilderness. I want to show you prior to that what happened in actually this place called Goshen. Can we all say Goshen? I'm going to show a map of the entire nation of Egypt. I'm going to show you where this city, this place that we have read about, that we see it in the Bible, that we have sang old-timey songs to, that name, Goshen. This is where the children of Israel were actually placed when Joseph, one of the sons of Israel, actually brought the children of Israel out of a famine, out of Israel, and brought them to this one place in Egypt. If I could have my map, I want to show you something. I picked this um, um, kitty cat thing, uh, laser. <laughs> I practiced this morning with my kitty and he chased it all over the house, but it's not strong enough to, to really show. Where is it? Is it? Is it there? I see, uh, see the water above. Can you see it on the water uh, on the top there? Okay, now, it's not strong enough. I figured this, I figured it wasn't going to be good enough, but I want to show you though. Um, okay, I'm going to have to use my fingers here. You see this big line? Oh, that's what it feels like. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was like a canvas thingy, but it's, it's solid. Okay, so, so th this whole continent is Africa, all the way down. It looks like a big teardrop. It almost is in the shape of South America. Africa is made up of a lot of countries. However, in the top right corner is this block. And that is Egypt. Egyptians do not consider themselves an African nation. With all the nations of Africa, Egypt, though they're connected to it, considers themselves Middle Eastern. What's so amazing is, is that way up here, do you see the thing on the water there? Yeah. Okay, right here, there's a black box. Does everybody see the black box? Thank God. <laughs> that is Goshen. Let me show you this. Now, way up here, you see the thing with the water. Right around here is Israel. Right around this right there, this spot is Israel. Not much to it. This is the Sinai Peninsula. This is Goshen. This is the Red Sea. So when they leave, they're going to go across the Red Sea. They're going to stop at the Mount Sinai, which is around here somewhere. They're going to travel around, 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 around for 40 years and then they're gonna come into the land of Israel. However, I don't wanna to talk to you about all that. I wanna to talk to you about this experience right here. So here we go. So they're in, they're in all 80 families in all. All the children of Israel are in Goshen. They moved there because Israel was in a famine. Joseph, one of the sons of Israel, as I mentioned, was working for the Pharaoh. Pharaoh loved Joseph. This particular pharaoh loved the children of Israel, 
loved Jacob, loved them all, gave them that piece of land that was very fertile. It was called the Lower Egypt. Not that it was lower like Southern, but lower as in elevation. It was very fertile, lots of loam. You could grow lots of crops. So they raised their livestock, the Jewish people did, in that Goshen area. The Egyptians all loved them during this period of time. However, eventually people die. The Pharaoh dies. A couple of Pharaohs die. 430 years later, the new Pharaoh does not like the Jews, afraid of the Jews. That in Goshen, he said, there are more Jewish people than there are Egyptians in entire Egypt. Let's don't allow them to have any male children from now on. And let's enslave them. And let's put a lot of stringence on them. And let's, let's keep them to themselves, but let's rule over them like as if we are, well, rulers. Pharaoh hated them. And so because of that, they begin to cry out. They cried out to God. And 430 years after arriving in Goshen, God raised up a deliverer. God raised up a man named Moses. You know the story very well. I know you do. You've seen the Disney characters where the, uh, Moses' mom puts a, uh, the baby Moses into a basket and sends it down the river. And then Pharaoh's daughter, who she's in the water, she's not really bathing as much as she's doing a, a Nile River uh, ritual. Uh, she finds the baby in the basket and makes the baby her own. Well, this was turned out to be historically not an uncommon sight. The Jewish women having babies, and when it turned out to be male children, they did not want to kill their born babies, their boys, and so they put them in baskets and they sent them down the river, and many of the Egyptian women would inherit or adopt the babies. This was common. So when Pharaoh's daughter picked up the baby, she names the baby Moses because he was taken out of the water. That's what Moses means. Later on, you're going to learn that as he grows up and he becomes aware that he is not an Egyptian, aware that he is actually from the land of Goshen, that he's a Jewish man, a Hebrew, he refuses in the book of Hebrews, he refuses to call Pharaoh's daughter his mother. He basically looks at her and says, look, you're not my mom. Matter of fact, you Egyptians, you're not even my people. As a matter of fact... I'm not even going to stay here. And so he leaves. You know the whole story about that. The funny thing about this is, is that when Moses came, comes back, he comes back to deliver the children of Israel out of Goshen. But Pharaoh says, nothing doing. We've got free labor here. And you do all this work for us, and we're not letting you go. And so Moses talked to God and God said, tell Pharaoh, I'm going to, and here's the part of the sermon I want you to hear. We just took a transition right now. I'm going to send 10 plagues. I'm going to send them to the Egyptians. Kind of like saying, as each plague I send you, I'm going to ask you, do you give up? Uncle, say uncle. Uncle, say uncle. And when you don't, I'm going to just break your arm. But in this case, it wasn't breaking his arm. In this case, it was one torment after another. He sent it all over Egypt. Here's the question I have for you. 
When the plagues were sent to Egypt, was it sent also to the children of Israel? Did the Israelites experience all of these terrible things as well? I'm here to share with you that the answer is yes and no. Of the 10 plagues, only the first three were inflicted upon all the population. The first three, simply the first one, that the Nile River was turned into blood, literally blood. For seven days, it remained blood. It affected the Jewish people, and I'll show you why in a minute. And then I'm gonna show you America. Then I'm gonna show you literally the world. The second plague he sent was frogs, frogs in abundance. There was frogs everywhere. As a matter of fact, it even went into the land of Goshen. The third and last one that affected the Jewish people was lice. He actually turned dust into lice. Now, why in the world did God inflict this kind of plague upon the people of God, the Jewish people, as well as the Egyptians? And the answer to this is quite simply that after 430 years, they did not know God. 430 years as Jewish people, there was no Bible. There was no rabbis to be speaking about. There was no faith in the God of Israel. There was no knowledge of the God of Israel. They didn't have the 10 commandments yet. They're gonna have 10 commandments many months from that point, but they, they don't know anything actually about God. And so what God is doing in these 10 plagues, that each plague was an attack on one of each of all the gods of Egypt, the God of the Nile. They had a God of the Nile. They had a God of the frogs. Do you know what the statue looked like? It would look like a human body with a frog head. Talk about disgusting, gross. But they worshiped the God of the frogs. They had the God of, not of lice, but they had the God of dust. Can you believe this? And if you go through all 10 of these plagues, it was actually showing the children of Israel in Goshen and the children of Egypt that he was the almighty God that these gods were inferior, that he smashes them, pulverizes them, turns them into nothing, that these are not really gods at all. The God of the Nile, the great river Nile is not a God to me, I'll turn it into blood. It was humiliating to them. And the children of Israel begin to listen to Moses and say, oh my goodness, he is a mighty God. He is the God of Israel. I wonder, did Americans receive COVID when COVID came through? The answer is yes. Did Christians receive COVID when COVID came through? The answer is yes again. Many of us did not know really what was going on. And I want you to know this is that the faith of many really increased during the time of COVID. Many people begin to, <clears throat> let's give the Lord a great big hand clap right now, come on. Many anticipations begin to build around the country and around the world. Many folks are saying that there's a great revival, a great awakening coming. Many folks, because of the plague that went through, their trust in God increased. 
they withdrew much of the value of the world and they started to pay attention to God Almighty. And this was the intentions of God in, with the children of Israel. That after 430 years, they needed to be reminded on who the great God, the almighty God of the universe is. But after the third plague, no, no more. It did not touch the children of Israel whatsoever. As a matter of fact, take a look at Exodus chapter 8, verse 22. The Bible says this, but this time, everybody say this time. But this time, meaning the first three, I allowed it to touch the Jews, my people, but not this time. But this time I was spared the region of Goshen, that little small black box, where my people live. No flies will be found there. Then you will know that I am the Lord and that I am present even in the heart of your land. So I want to show you, God said, that I can send surgically, I can send flies all over the nation to the place of plague level where flies is everywhere. Not just that one annoying fly that is messing around with your lunch. It just goes right by and you swack it. Somebody told me one time that don't let a fly land on your food because it's throwing up on it. Thank you. I always like to sneak up on a fly like this. Because if I get it positioned just well, I know that when I flick it, it can't outrun that. It can't outfly that. But then it's all over my finger. Then I, you know, <laughs> bad pastor. But there is something to be said about there being so many flies that it's called plague level. But when you go to Goshen, no flies. God has that ability, to, once again, to surgically place things and show distinctions between his people and the world. I am prophesying to you that we are going through a time right now that God is going to start surgically blessing the people of God with all kinds of sights and sounds, with all kinds of signs and wonders, where it will be a warning to the world, and it will be a rejoicing to the church. Can I get an amen from anybody? Amen. Praise the Lord. In Exodus chapter number nine, verses four through six, let's take a look at another plague. But the Lord will again make a distinction. Here comes another plague, everybody, between the livestock, the cows, the bulls, sheep and goats, etc between the livestock of the Israelites and the livestock of the Egyptians. I'm gonna show you a distinction there. Not a single one of Israel's animals will die. How is he gonna do that? The Lord has already set a time, already set a time for the plague to begin. It's not in, what's the name of that city in, that's in China, Wuhan, Wushu, Wushiwashi, what is it? Yeah, they said a plague. I don't know what's going on. But God didn't get an angel running up to the throne. You'll never believe this, Lord. I know that you haven't finished your breakfast, but I got to tell you. I got to tell you. Well, you know I don't like bad news before I eat my eggs, Michael. What is it? Well, it turns out that the Chinese sent a plague all over the world. No. <laughs> what? 
take a look at this again. Not a single one of the Israel's animals will die. The Lord has already set a time for the plague to begin. He has declared that he will strike the land tomorrow. Verse 6, and the Lord did just that as he had said. The next morning, all the livestock of the Egyptians died, but the Israelites did not lose a single animal. Can you give the Lord a great big hand clap, everybody? God knows how to show the distinction. He knows how to know where you are. He knows where your house is. He knows what room you sleep in. He knows about your sheets and your slippers, your pillowcases. He knows what side of the bed you like. He knows what side you like to sleep on. He knows if you like to sleep on your belly or on your back. He knows if you have a bad hair day. As a matter of fact, every hair in your head, he doesn't know the number of it. He knows something better than that. He puts a number on each head, on each head, on each hair. Every follicle has a number. Whoops, there goes number four. That's the way. <laughs> he knows what is lost because we lose our hair and we gain it all the time. And he knows what is growing. He knows your intentions, your motives, your thoughts. He knows when you eat, what you like to eat. He knows what you're dreaming. He knows what school you go to. He knows what classes you like knows everything about you more than you know about you. He knows about the mole on the back of your hand. He knows the number of pores in your skin. He knows where you're at. And he loves you very much. And he says, I have a plan for you. And I'm going to tell you this, it's a good one. It's not a bad one. And so because of that, I'm saying that even though he knows where you are, he's going to protect you. Yes, we did have a COVID. And yes, we have seen wars and rumors of wars. We have seen terrible things not only pass by our country and the world, but also touching our families. But there is coming a time, and I'm giving you the word of God right now, that as we get closer and closer into more darker, darker times, you're going to notice that the people of God are not going to be touched. Not a hair in your chinny, chin, chin, that you will see it, but it will not touch you. Your livestock will not be touched. And I'm here to say to you that when they announced that this plague was coming, that all the livestock was going to be killed of the Egyptians, it says later on in the scriptures in the book of Exodus that some of the Egyptians believed in the God of Israel and they put their cattle into bonds to protect them from the wrath of God. If that's not enough, some of the Egyptians, when the exodus took place and they left Egypt, some of the Egyptians went with the children of Israel because they believed in the God of Israel. And I'm saying to you that when they see you blessed during times of turmoil, during times of trouble, during times of plagues, yes, even this monkeypox, I don't know what that is, but a, a, a monkey, something's coming, don't be afraid. Oh, I know the gas prices are up. Yes, I do it. I know the groceries are up. But it has been designed in a way that it will not touch you. You're saying, Pastor, it has already touched me. Hello? Hello? It's already here. The Bible brings out that he was able to bring 4 million people into a desert at 135 degrees surface on the sand and Fahrenheit. 
where the sun blazed so much that a man could not, literally could not, with the exposure of the sun, could not live beyond three to five days. But God puts out four million people and puts an umbrella over their heads for 40 years. Puts this gigantic rain cloud over their heads. And then in the nighttime, when you couldn't see the hand in front of your face, he put a pillar of fire so they could follow it in the night. It was like a big flashlight. But in the nighttime, it got cold and frigid in the nighttime on, on the surface of the, of the desert, but in that, in that fire kept them warm. You say, well, how do they eat? You know the story. He rained angel food. He rained heaven food. Yes, I know you might be going through a little tough times at the pumps. I know that you're going through some tough times with, with different things when it comes to food and groceries. I get that. You're hearing some very, very bad reports. I understand that. But he's got his hand on you. He's got an umbrella over you. He's got a fire in front of you. He's going to rain food for you. He's going to rain, rain ravioli on you. I promise you, the Bible brings out some, something really cool. There's a little sidebar here. Are you ready for it? There's a lot of reports we're hearing from CNN, aren't we? A lot of scary reports from Fox News. Lots of reports, reports, reports. Let me tell you, I don't believe any of the reports, and I'm going to tell you who I believe. The Bible says, in whom will you believe? Will, is there anybody that will, re, that will believe our report? The scriptures say in the Old Testament. You see, God is the greatest reporter. God doesn't read the newspaper and go, look at this, look at this. Inflation, look at this. There's gonna be a depression. I can see it coming just like everybody else. I promise you there's never been a recession in heaven. There's never been a depression in heaven. There's no sweats running down the brow of God Almighty, down the bridge of his nose. There's no sweat building up because God owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. He's going to take care of you. Why? Because everything is going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. Can you get this into your hearts? Everything is going to be all right. The very idea, here comes a big statement. The very idea that you learned about the wilderness of the 40 years traveling was for this moment right now. That was done so that you can learn now. He is going to do exactly what, the children, what he did with the children of Israel with you right now. This is a good sermon. This is a good pre... Excuse me. I'm running out of time. I'm sorry. Where am I at? I'm, oh, did, I, did I read anything? Where, where am I at? <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, okay. Did I read Exodus 4 through 6? Yes. Exodus 9 and 11. 9 11. Exodus 9 11, please. Even the magicians, this is about boils. This is monkey pox. Okay. Even the magicians, the Egyptian magicians, were unable to stand before Moses because the boils, they had doorknobs on the tip of their noses. They had moly, moly, guacamole on their foreheads. 
I guess you have to see the movie. Even the Egyptians were unable to stand before Moses because the boils had broken out on them in all of Egypt, but not the, the children of Israel. Clean faces, nice, not even any acne, no blackheads, nothing, no whiteheads. But the Egyptians, doorknobs everywhere. I promise you in Jesus' name, there's going to be a great distinction because God is not going to go down in history as the one that did not take care of his own people. You know, there was one time he, he was talking to Moses because he was so mad at the children of Israel in the wilderness because they were having an orgy, literally an orgy, worshiping a golden calf. He was so mad he told Moses, Moses, get down from the mountain. I'm going to kill every one of them. And Moses said, now, Lord, do you really want to go down in history as dragging the children of Israel, your people, your children, into the land of, uh, of, of uh, the wilderness only to kill them there? Now, God was wise. God was not enlightened here by Moses. You know, that's a good idea. Yeah. We'll look bad. I don't want to look bad. I got good press sometimes. He was teaching Moses to teach us how to have intercession, how to pray for a nation, how to pray for the people of God. So the point is, is that God did not drag you into this coming wilderness just to kill you in it because you have not been reserved unto wrath, but you've been reserved unto a good report, a good, a good future, each and every one of us. And I promise you with all of my heart, that the only place that you will find it very dangerous is when you step out from the will of God, when you step away from Jesus Christ. Am I speaking to anybody here that does not have Jesus in his life or her life? Is there a family here that is just blowing me off right now and you do not feel a necessity? Or as John, uh, Johnny Depp said, religion, it's not my cup of tea. Is there anybody here that feels the same way as he does? Because I promise you, those are the places to be very, very scared. That is the most dangerous place to be in this time, in this era, because ladies and gentlemen, Celebration Church, these are the last days. You're living in the last days. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you for all that clapping. They're just not catching on. <laughs> in Exodus chapter 9 verse 26 the Bible says the only place without hail this was not ice hail this was fireballs the only place that they had no hail was in the region of Goshen where the people of Israel lived fireballs were coming down destroying land and destroying houses and cities and villages destroying noblets and destroying yes even the capital but did not touch the children of Israel. In Exodus chapter number 10, verses 21 through 23, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, lift your hands toward heaven. This is a good one. It's my favorite one. And the, and the land of Israel will be covered with darkness so thick that you can feel it. Darkness so thick that you can feel it. That's amazing. That, that dock. Okay, I, I lost my place because I, I got stuck here. So Moses, is, Moses lifted his hand into the sky 
and a deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three long days. Watch this. During all that time, I love this so much, the people could not see each other. They had torches, they had Zippo lighters. How can you relate to that? You're driving through fog like pea soup and you've got, foolishly, you've got your headlights on, you've got the high brights, the high lamps on. You can't see anything. You can barely see in front of the car. This is how it was, but worse than that because you could feel it. So much so that no one moved. Don't move. Don't move. You're going to bump into something. You're going to get hurt. And this lasted how long? Three long days. But there was light. As usual, where the people of Israel lived. Up in Goshen, the sun came out every morning. The rooster, er, er, the kids with their cornflakes. <laughs> it was morning as usual. They had the sun out, and no, there wasn't a bunch of Generax going off. <laughs> God can surgically send light into a dark, dark world. And that's what you're here for. That is the purpose of God in your life, that you live in a very dark place. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're like a candle in the dark. Can anybody say praise the Lord at all? That natural light will not work. Natural light is not going to be able to be helpful, but it's going to be the spiritual light that you can provide. In Exodus chapter 12, verse number 30, the Bible says this, Pharaoh and all of his officials and all the people of Egypt, this is the saddest one of all, they woke up during the night and a loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. This was the plague where the firstborn of every family died. Be it a boy or a girl, the firstborn, every household in Egypt, that big square I showed you, everyone that night was crying. Even if it was an adult, I am the firstborn of three children. I would have been killed. But the children of Israel in Goshen, they were given instructions that the day before, the day of, to paint with blood of a lamb on the doorposts and the threshold of their front door so that when the death angel comes in through all of Egypt, it would go in with the, let's just, just um, metaphorically speaking, with the sickle to kill the firstborn and step out. As a death angel passed by the blood-stained doorposts of the children of Israel, he had to go by. He could not go in there and kill. Even if the death angel knew about this family, and this family is a very sinful family, he knows that they're really rancid, and they, they, but they have the blood on the doorpost. He could not go in there and kill them. And I'm here to share this with you that everything is going to be all right. That I know what you're saying. You're saying, Pastor, I sin occasionally. I have sin. So when the death angel comes and I die, am I going to go to hell? 
Christians habitually talk to each other like this throughout the ages. I want you to know that as long as you have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to you, everything is going to be all right. You say, Pastor, that means I can sin anytime I want? No, on the contrary, there's consequence to sin, terrible consequences. As a matter of fact, John, the apostle, says it like this, there are sins unto death and there are sins not unto death, that God shall not be mocked, that whatever you sow, you shall reap. Now, the ultimate salvation issue is a whole nother issue because the Lord honors what was done by his son on the cross so much. He has so much value in the blood of Jesus Christ that was performed on the cross that he has taken Jesus at his word that whoever you choose, I will honor. And he has chosen you and I to be sons and daughters of God, to become part of his bride we are the bride of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus comes back to rapture us, to take us, the God the Father will honor all of us together because of one reason. We have accepted and received Jesus Christ as our Savior. The question is, is there somebody in this room that has not taken Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? It closes in a terrible, terrible way. The military was all destroyed because the Egyptians chased after the Israelites across the, uh, the Red Sea. And the Bible says that once the children of Israel got safely to the other side of the Red Sea, as I showed you in that picture, God closed the Red Sea upon the entire military. I have no time to go through this, but if you ever check in the book of Revelation, God's going to do the same thing. As a matter of fact, there's going to be so much blood, it'll be up to the horse's bridle, 200 miles long, four feet deep of blood of military people from all over the world. And that Russia will receive such a tremendous destruction of their military that the Bible says that an entire cemetery will be set up with the sign Gog and Magog in the mountains of the children of Israel. I wonder what side of the Red Sea we are on as Americans, as Canadians, as Europeans, as Africans. Oh, we have Egyptians, literally born and raised Egyptians in our church. We have one-third Hispanic, one-third white, and, and uh, one-third African-Americans and a couple of rows of Asians. Uh, we are like a melting pot here in America. I wonder what side of the Red Sea are you standing on? Are you on God's side? Are you on the world's side? Because God is trying to woo his people out in these last days. He's trying to pull you out of Egypt. He says, come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. He's drawing each and every one. Do you wonder why some of the people that you have long in the past have been praying for, they're coming to the Lord? Backsliders are coming back to Christ. People that you have long prayed for, all of a sudden they're almost listening to you now because he's drawing. He says, I shall, in the last days, I shall draw all men unto me. My sheep hear my voice and they come. He's drawing us all. 
and he's going to be taking us somewhere. I wonder what side of the Red Sea are you on? Because if you're on the right side, everything is going to be all right. Can you give the Lord a great big hand clap? I promise. Let's all stand together. <laughs> can I pray for you? Pastor Frankie can come back and he can fix all this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Close your eyes, bow your heads. Father, I ask you, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray, Father, that you'll give us the ability to see it happen before it actually happens. But more importantly, Father, let us have complete faith in you and take you at your word that all things work for the good for them that love the Lord, that everything is going to be all right. We grasp a hold of those words. We trust you with these words that we know that though the world may wiggle in pain, the church will rejoice. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. One more hand clap to the Lord. Can we do that, everybody? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Have a great day.